Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Sometimes life progresses well from moment to moment, but every now and then we encounter bumps in the road. Sometimes it's circumstance, sometimes it's because of our own actions. Our sermon series on the character of God continues with First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan and the sermon, God Makes a Way. Good morning. Oh, boo. Good morning. All right, I'm Chris Pan. I'm the executive director at the church. Great to have you here with us this morning. Uh, We're in a sermon series to begin the year focusing on the character of God. We're exploring what is God like, and then how does that affect us and how we live our lives. So I wanted to start uh, this morning by telling you about one of my favorite YouTube videos. Uh, It is a teenager who gets her head stuck in a pumpkin. This video is titled, Girl Gets Head Stuck in Pumpkin. Uh, This video has over one million views, and I don't know who this teenager is, uh, but I'll summarize it for you because it's not that complicated. Uh, This girl is carving a pumpkin with her siblings. She says, I think I can fit my head in there. She puts her head in the pumpkin, uh, and then she can't get out. Uh, I'm not going to show you the video Uh, Because the video is over four minutes long, which is longer than the choir song, uh, Just This Kid with Her Head Stuck in a Pumpkin. What does this have to do with our sermon today? Our sermon title today is God Makes a Way. As we think about the character of God, God is a deliverer. God is a savior. God makes a way. The name of Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. And do you know what Yeshua means? It means to deliver, to rescue. And the fact that God is a deliverer only matters if we first remember and acknowledge and accept that we need a deliverer, that we need a rescuer, that we get stuck all the time. Uh, We can talk all morning about what a great deliverer that God is, and it won't matter if you sit here and think, I'm doing fine. I don't need to be rescued or saved. And so I want to acknowledge and confess this morning that I'm the kind of person who gets my head stuck in a pumpkin. Uh, Maybe not you. Maybe it's just me uh, who gets into stupid arguments with my wife and then can't figure out a way to get out of it. Uh, I had just one of those arguments yesterday. Uh, Maybe it's just me who finds myself in situations where I think, how did I get here? Uh, Maybe it's just me that struggles with anxiety and depression and addiction with despair and grief and anger, with insecurity and resentment and with the nagging doubts of what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. I think we all need to admit and accept and acknowledge that sometimes we get stuck and we need help. Maybe it's self-inflicted. Maybe it's circumstances beyond our control. Maybe it's a real big pumpkin. But we all need a God whose character and whose very name means to deliver, to rescue. We need a God who makes a way. As we go through our sermon today, ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to me, and what does he want me to do about it? What is God saying to me, what does he want me to do about it? Our passage for today is Psalm 116, verses 1 through 9. If you are able, would you please stand as I read today's passage? Psalm 116. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry 
for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and please join me in prayer. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us now. What are you saying to us? What do you want us to do about it? Thank you that you are a God who makes a way. We pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's children say, Amen. I think this psalm so beautifully captures the honest reflection of who we are in all our human brokenness and need and who God is and how those two things fit together. Verse 1, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. What is God like? What is the character of God? God hears our voice. He hears our cry for mercy. He turns his ear to us. Our God is not a dispassionate watchmaker who sets the world in motion and then sits back and observes. He's not a vaguely benevolent, impersonal force. Our God hears us. He turns his ear to us. And because we know that God hears us, we know that we can call on him as long as we live. Because we know what we are like. We know what it's like to be human. Verse 3, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. This is what it is to be human. If you've followed the news this past week, you know the world that we live in is just like the psalmists. It is full of heartbreak and human brokenness, full of distress and sorrow. And our passage today, our Bible our God doesn't shy away from the reality of what it's like to be human sometimes, from all the tragedy and the pain. So what can we do with all our humanness, all our brokenness? What response is there? Verse 4, Then I called on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Whenever I preach, I always hope that you take something away, something very concrete that you can meditate on during the week, something that you can pray through throughout the week. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me, our lives, for your lives. What is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? Today it's the shortest and easiest ones yet. Take this away, meditate on it this week, pray this this week. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Save me. 
We are a people in need of saving. I am a person in need of saving. Not just one time, way back, when I decided to become a follower of Jesus. Lord, save me. This isn't a prayer that we just pray once. I'm a person in need of saving every day. Lord, save me. In Eastern Orthodox churches, there is a prayer called the Jesus Prayer, which some in that tradition consider the most important prayer, a summary of the entire gospel. And the Jesus Prayer is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, save me. Uh, A few years ago, pretty soon after I started working at this church, uh, I was walking through Ross, uh, and I was walking out of Ross, and to get out of Ross, there's a guy uh, standing right in the middle of this aisle looking at socks, and I had to decide, do I go behind him, do I go in front of him? And so I go in front of him between him and the socks, and I walk by, and I hear behind me, what? What? And so I turn around, and this guy is standing there saying, what? What? And so I have a decision to make. And there is an easy and obvious decision, which is to apologize and keep on walking. And then there is the decision to stick my head in a pumpkin. (laughs) And I love sticking my head in pumpkins. And so I turn around back towards him. And I put my shoulders back and my arms out. And don't let the blazer fool you. I went to public school. (laughs) And I said, nothing. Because right at that moment, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, Chris, how you doing? And it was a woman, a lovely member of this congregation. (laughs) She says, Chris, how you doing? I say, hey, how are you doing? And so we have this nice conversation and we chat. And by the time I turn around again, my new friend has gotten his socks and he's left. Lord, save me. I am a person in need of saving every day, every moment of every day. I can't even go to Ross without needing God to save me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I think we are all people in need of saving every day. I was listening to a Bible Project podcast, and the hosts were were discussing Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and about how in Genesis chapter 2, the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden tree, was right in the center of the Garden of Eden. Uh, So Adam and Eve would have to walk past that tree all the time. That wherever they were in the Garden of Eden, that tree would be in their line of sight. Uh, And so they had a choice facing them every day, every moment, to rely upon God and God's wisdom for defining good and evil, or they could take from that tree and define good and evil for themselves on their own wisdom. And so these guys on the podcast end up having this semi-serious conversation about this question. The question is, how many bad choices would it take for you to thoroughly mess up your life? And they talked about it, and think about it for a moment, because they talked about it and they concluded that that number is shockingly low, like single digits low, and not like six or seven, like one or two. Uh, I think we are all people in need of saving every day. We are all in need of a God who is gracious, a God who saves us, sometimes even from ourselves. 
And the story of Adam and Eve doesn't end with their bad choice. It continues. God makes a way. Through the whole of the Bible, it's the story of God making a way. God makes a way, not just in small ways every day in Ross, but God makes a way in big and cosmic, historic ways too. Through the whole of the Bible, it's the story of God making a way towards redemption in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ towards the redemption and for the redemption of humankind and the restoration of the Garden of Eden in the kingdom of heaven. God is gracious and full of compassion. God saves us. God makes a way. Because that is the character of God. That is what God is like. Verse 5. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. God is gracious and righteous and full of compassion. God protects the unwary. But God's name doesn't mean preventer. And I wish, I think we wish sometimes that God's name meant preventer. God, the preventer who prevents us from ever getting stuck or in trouble, who prevents all bad things from happening to us always who puts the forbidden tree way out in the corner of the garden where we won't have to see it or walk past it. But the name of Jesus isn't preventer. It is rescuer. It is deliverer. Because we are all people who get stuck and who need to be rescued. We're all people who get stuck and we are not shaken. Because we know that when bad things inevitably happen, we know that God has saved us in the past and God will save us again. As I reflected on today's passage and on the character of God as a deliverer, as a God who makes a way, I kept thinking about Tunnel 57. If you're unfamiliar, Tunnel 57 was the single most successful escape attempt in the history of the Berlin Wall. In the decade following World War II, more than 2 million East Germans defected into West Germany. East German was an oppressive police state allied with the Soviets, and West Germany was free, allied with Britain and France and the United States. Uh, And in 1961, to stop the flood of defections, East Germany built the Berlin Wall, dividing East and West Berlin. It was 100 miles of concrete walls and metal fencing, razor wire, signal wires, observation towers with snipers, and anti-vehicle trenches. The wall instantly separated families and friends. And over the course of its 30 years of existence, over 100,000 people tried to cross the wall with only about 5,000 succeeding. More than 200 people died trying to cross the wall. Some people tried jumping out of their apartment windows in the east into the west. In 1964, a dozen 20-year-old college students in West Berlin decided to try to rescue their family and friends stuck in East Berlin by digging a tunnel under the Berlin Wall. They found an abandoned bakery in West Berlin near the wall. It's where Eingang is listed on that photo entrance. Uh, Postentad is the guard stand um, where the military guard was located. So they found this abandoned bakery and they dug more than 30 feet straight down and then started digging under the Berlin Wall, under that area known as the Death Strip. 
Their tunnel was two feet high and three feet wide, just wide enough for one person. It was in constant danger of discovery, of flooding, of suffocation, of collapse. And in order to reduce the suspicion of a dozen people walking in and out of an abandoned bakery, those students, those tunnelers, decided to stay and sleep in the abandoned bakery for weeks at a time. They dug in round-the-clock, 12-hour shifts for five months. They removed enough dirt to fill four 18-wheeler trucks. Their tunnel was longer than one-and-a-half football fields. None of them had any experience digging tunnels. They dug the tunnel with garden spades and a wheelbarrow. With garden spades and a wheelbarrow. And I think of this as the perfect picture of the church. We don't know what we're doing, but we know that we have loved ones, family and friends, who are in need of freedom, in need of life. We've cried out, Lord, save me, and God has. And now we hear the cries of others, separated from God by a wall of sin. Lord, save me. And so we take what we can, we pick up our garden spades, and we start digging. One of the tunnelers had successfully escaped East Germany two years earlier, but he dug to try to free his family and friends. And so it is with the church. We have been freed from sin and death, and now we do what we can with what we have to try to rescue others. On the nights of October 3rd and 4th, 1964, 57 people were able to escape from East Berlin into West Berlin before the East German secret police, the Stasi, discovered the tunnel and destroyed it. Those 57 people represents 20% of all people who escaped by tunnel during the 30-year existence of the Berlin Wall. Those 57 people are why the tunnel is called Tunnel 57. One of the West Berlin tunnelers remembers driving away into West Berlin with a van full of the East Berliners immediately after the escape. And they were silent And he overheard one of them whisper to another, saying, how do we know that this isn't a trick of the Stasi? Maybe we're still in East Berlin. And so the driver decided, even though it was longer, even though it was more dangerous, he would drive them through Kerfurtzendam, the center of West Berlin. Kerfurtzendam was the site of the second largest department store in Europe, covered with neon lights and shops and restaurants and people out and about in the streets, things you would never see in the East. And as they drove under those neon lights, those passengers finally celebrated and rejoiced knowing they were actually free. And so it is with us. I think that sometimes we as followers of Jesus don't really believe or embrace that we are no longer in captivity, that God has indeed saved us, that he's made a way. We act as though we are residents in the land of the dead instead of citizens in the kingdom of heaven, in the land of the living. We have to remind ourselves, like the psalmist, we have to speak to our own soul and say, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. May we hear the good news of the gospel today that whatever difficult thing you're going through, in whatever way you may feel stuck, whether self-inflicted or because of circumstances beyond your control, 
we are no longer captives. The Lord has delivered us from death, delivered our eyes from tears, our feet from stumbling. We walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Roman 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I first heard about the story of Tunnel 57 on a podcast a few years ago, and two details really stuck with me that I couldn't stop thinking about. Uh, The first was this thought of all those newly freed East Berliners in that van not fully believing that they were free, not celebrating their freedom, and how that's like us as Christians. And the other detail was the one that really blew my mind, uh, and it continues today. It was this detail that makes me think about the character of God. The most amazing thing to me about the story of Tunnel 57 is that the tunnel went from West Berlin to East Berlin. It went from freedom to captivity. This isn't the Shawshank Redemption or every other prison escape movie you've ever seen in which the people in prison tunnel out. All the hard work of escape was done by the people who were already free. The people who were already free dug back towards the people in captivity. We have been separated from God by our sin. And try as we might, we can't escape on our own. We are stuck, and so we call, Lord, save me. And God rescues us, not by making a way from captivity to freedom. God makes a way from freedom to captivity, from west to east. God doesn't say, here's a shovel, Start digging your way to me. That's the message and burden of every other religion in the world. That's the message and the burden of the billion-dollar self-help industry. Pick up your shovel and dig your way out. The beauty of the gospel, of the good news of the character of God, is that God says, I will make a way to you. I will dig to you one spade of dirt at a time. God says that I'm the one who will suffer to find my way to you so that you can live. Jesus says, I'm the one who will do the hard work on the cross so that you can be free. It's Jesus' hands that bleed, his back that is bent, his knees that are scraped. When Jesus began his ministry, he walked into a synagogue and he read these words from the prophet Isaiah, declaring about himself, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is the character of God. Jesus, a rescuer, a deliverer, a savior, require Lord, save me. And God makes a way. He makes his way to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment now to reflect. As we conclude this sermon, reflect and pray. Take a moment now in silence just to pray to God, to say to God, whatever you might. Say, Lord, save me. Let's just take a moment in silent reflection. God, we thank you 
for your character. We thank you that you are gracious and righteous and full of compassion. We thank you that you have delivered us from death, that we may walk before you in the land of the living. Lord, save me. Lord, save us. Save our city, save our islands, save our nation, and save our world. We pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, who made a way for us, and all God's children say, Amen. Amen. God has made a way for us and to us. God makes a way. If you would like prayer, members of our prayer team would love to pray with you. They'll be in front of the choir risers and in front of the cross. But now receive this final blessing. May the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We make mistakes. We encounter unexpected tragic events. Life is hard. And because God is gracious toward us, He always makes a way. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Press website, fbchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45-550 Kiwanole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11.11 a.m. Follow First Press on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Press app. Watch First Press sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. Until next time, God bless you and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.